1: Out there, welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rodovies Radio on the Blue Wire Radio Network. Wow. I am welcomed. <laughs> I am welcomed. I am joined and welcomed by the wonderful Dan Seno blessing us with the with the present with uh blessing Going? us. Blessing us with the presence on the birthday of one of his children. But then again, if he took off the birthday of his children, we just would never have a podcast because there's like 340 of them.
2: It's true. I actually planned it that way. So I always had a reason to not be able to do something and I could get out of absolutely anything. So yeah, my oldest uh, oldest turned eight today. So happy birthday, Dominic. Uh, Thank you for allowing me the extra half hour to spend a little time. With my good friend Nathan Powell.
1: <laughs> righty. so uh, I'm during my singing for some reason. Um, forgot to mention that week three is in the books. Week three is in the books. We are on to week four, as uh, Bill Belichick once said. Uh, we're on to Cincinnati, and so we're going to be recapping the big hashtag news of the week, the big dynasty takes that we can we can take out of the week three performances, and how that we look to move forward. First, we have two of my favorite players in the NFL right now. We have the Chargers connection of Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. We're going to start off with Mike Williams here. Um, One member of this podcast has liked Mike Williams very much his entire career since he was like a middle schooler and the other has made fun of his neck injuries for the last 10 years. <laughs> made
2: um, fun of his neck
1: injuries. <laughs> the other has made fun of his neck injuries for the last 10 years. Um, I'm just going to say the uh Chargers Mike Williams, uh the, the best of the Mike Williams is eight catches for 82 in a touch, seven, seven catches for 91 in a touch and seven catches for 122 in a touch versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Mike Williams is on fire. The only the only thing that's ever, like, stopped him in his career so far is a lack of volume, and 8 plus 7, 22 catches in three games is bonkos, and I will take it every single day of the week. Gave me that volume for one of the best pass catchers in the NFL, even though he didn't get the respect.
2: Sure. So, in in my defense over time, the, the takes have always been that Mike Williams, A, really struggled to stay healthy, He's been mostly healthy over the last two-ish seasons now, but he was extraordinarily volatile. Like, uh, I mean, Will Fuller on steroids-type volatility, even when healthy. So when you look back, obviously, rookie season, just kind of non-existent, right? Injury, whatever. Um, Sophomore season, not really used, but when he was used, it was essentially for 20-yard touchdowns. He had 40 catches, 10 of which were touchdowns. Maybe good signs of things to come. Year three, 90 targets, 1,000 yards, only caught 49 balls, almost no touchdowns. And his usage was essentially 25 yards downfield exclusively. They didn't allow him to work as an actual receiver. They just put him in a burner roll and said, go get it. Last year, we got kind of a modified version of of Mike Williams where they started to let him work as a wide receiver and still used him over the top a little bit. The The touchdowns bounced back a tiny, tiny bit, but this is a new version of Mike Williams that I'm going to blame entirely on Anthony Lynn at this stage. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Anthony Lynn held Mike Williams back. Mike, Mike Williams uh was probably typecast as that guy because i at Clemson that's that's kind of what he did but he was overly impressive making acrobat catches over and over and over a lot you know DeAndre Hopkins and and guys like that guys who we've seen succeed this looks like a very different Mike Williams this doesn't look like just go run down the field and and try to 5050 everything um this is a, a wide receiver one B only because of Keenan Allen version of Mike Williams. So and uh, the, the
1: chargers offensive coordinator came from new Orleans and in like June, he said, Mike Williams is our Michael Thomas, which I'm sure plenty of tweets get went out saying is this offensive coordinator on drugs. <laughs> um, but through three, through three games and games, through games and games, through three games, Mike Williams is looking like Michael
2: Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange, but I mean, he's looked he's looked good in this role, a role that I would have assumed would be way more fit for Keenan Allen. And and Keenan Allen still doing his thing. He's still getting the targets. He had a little bit of a slower game. Uh, it looked kind of like Kansas City was was maybe focused up more on on taking him away. Um, but they worked a lot underneath with Keenan Allen uh, on, on Sunday here. He did still end up with eight catches, but only for 50 yards. So that kind of tells you what they were looking to do and, and kind of what Kansas City was giving him. Um, but Mike Williams, yeah, like we've talked about, has, has really kind of turned a new leaf, if we want to call it that. This is This is what we've been chasing. Now, will we still get those deep passes peppered in? I would hope so. I would like to see some of that stretching the field Just as long as he doesn't like go do the flipping thing that
1: he does where like, right. D- do we really need the 18 feet vertical?
2: <laughs> no, we don't. We we don't need the chaos. We don't need the acrobats. It, it wouldn't be nice to see them stretch the field a bit with him. Um, I mean, he, he is 27. So maybe he's not got the spring chicken legs that he had at Clemson. Uh, but th- this this is definitely different. This is an impressive Mike Williams, uh, a prime Mike Williams, if you will. Now that he is 27, uh, you know, again, going kind of at the front end of that, really what we would have expect from most elite wide receivers to be their best years. So, I, I don't know necessarily that he'd be super easy to buy, but at the same time, his price has essentially always been pretty low, and, and you've kind of been able to. To I to mean, have it's, your it's, way with him i mean it's definitely higher today
1: than it was three weeks ago like oh for there, sure There, like there are people who weren't mike williams fans at all who are now interested uh dan and then the people who are, were mike williams fans are like n- now we're getting par- uh you know hyperbolic and saying that he's michael thomas so yeah. uh just for fun just for fun um looking at the uh, road of his traffic safety AP, which is not updated in season, obviously because there's no startups, but he was being drafted around the middle of the 13th round. Here's some fun names that were uh, going before, before Mike Williams. We have Amon Ross St. Brown trash, good Tony trash, Brandon cooks. Okay. Corey Davis. Okay. Rugs. Okay. Landry trash, Mooney trash, Gallup trash compared to Williams. They're, are plenty of guys that went ahead of Mike Williams that had no business going ahead of Mike Williams, especially with the young Justin Herbert at the helm. So we'll go. We'll transition to him. We talked about Kyler Murray being the the, Q, the locked in QB two behind Pat Mahomes. Justin Herbert is making his case for QB three in Dynasty Fantasy Football with uh, a pair of 300 yard games to start the season and then 281 and four touchdowns against the Chiefs in Week three. Have you been impressed with his season so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this is looking like what we would expect Justin Herbert to look like. Obviously, had the m- massive, massive rookie season, and this is just continuation of that. You know, the first couple of weeks, uh, he threw a couple of picks and, and really only got into the end zone once each game. And like we talked about before the show, we, we saw some of that positive regression. They find the end zone four times through the air against Kansas City. And I think it's just going to be a very consistent Justin Herbert. I think we're going to average that 40 to 45 attempts per game. And he should essentially always be over 300 yards. Now he hasn't had any uh, of these three games be massive, you know, monster blow up games where we see guys sometimes in shootouts go for 500 plus four to five touchdowns. But that's definitely, that's definitely in the cards. Uh, defense in in LA still isn't quite where they want it to be, but it's, it's getting marginally better. So this, um, this team is, is suited for, I think a lot of reasonably high scoring games. I know last week when they played the Cowboys, we expected that one to be kind of a shootout. Uh, And honestly, we would have expected this Kansas city game to be a little bit more of a shootout. Now, 54 total points isn't exactly low on the scoring spectrum, but, uh, that very easily could have been in the 70 realm. So this, um, this offense is going to be exciting, especially with Keenan Allen continuing to do what he does. Mike Williams becoming what Mike Williams has needed to be for the last five years. And obviously he's to have Austin Eckler. Um, the The rest of the offense is just, is just solid. You know, the, the line has improved. We've only seen, I mean, Herbert's gotten sacked a few times, but only five through three games, which,, uh, if I remember correctly, is a significant upgrade from last year. Uh, he had 32 throughout the season. So I guess maybe not a significant upgrade averaging about two a game. So uh, I, I know just last last year the the offensive line didn't exactly look like it was ready to protect an elite quarterback. And I do think we need to put Justin Herbert uh, in that threshold of elite. I think he's definitely up there. Uh, we might need to start categorizing our, our quarterbacks by running quarterbacks and passing quarterbacks uh, as far as how to tier them, because I think even Lamar Jackson as a limited passer is going to be closer to QB three than he would be on the other side of, you know, the Herbert the Prescott, uh, even someone like Joe Burrow might sneak up in there. Russell Wilson. I think Lamar is still probably on the front side of that because of the rushing floor. Yeah,
1: and that, that's certainly fair. Um the it's 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 a weird concept that on a week to week basis I feel like your the rushing increases your floor, but on a season long basis if like the passing increases your floor where you know you have that safety of like okay, this guy's going to fail for 300 yards a game as long as his team, you know, isn't winning by 100 after the first quarter. All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers running back rookie Najee Harris. He had um, a stat line of 14 carries for 40 yards and zero touchdowns. So uh, why are we talking about a guy 40, 40, 40 rushing yards and zero touchdowns? No reason to talk about that guy, right?
2: Well, there was another stat line, and I can't remember uh, exactly what it was in regards to. It might have been like punt returns or something. I don't know where targets come into play. 19 targets was pretty <laughs> – uh, I think that was – I think that might be a little bit meaningful, Nathan.
1: 19 targets, 14 catches, 102 yards. Ridiculous. Um, not a sustainable number, but I will say that if you would have asked me how if you'd asked me before the season, how many uh catches do you think Najee Harris is gonna have for the season? And I'm I would have said like I don't know, like 30 would be a nice number. And he got 27 through three games. Or no, no, sorry, <laughs> 20 through three games, 27 targets through three games, 20 catches through three games, a bit nuts. Um I do think that not. Uh, I don't think I know Deontay Johnson was out, and so I think that they kind of were like, okay, he's our you know short over the middle guy. Now let's just turn turn all of our Deontay targets to Najee targets. Is is that what? what that, do you uh, agree with that assumption?
2: Uh, I, yeah. I mean, it, it like we would have hoped that would have been juju. Uh, Claypool or Claypool obviously. or yeah, well, I mean, Muth or... I mean, Clay, it's not like Claypool didn't get targets. Claypool got 15 targets on okay, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. He went nine for 96, which is less than impressive. But, uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed. I'm pretty sure they have Ben Roethlisberger out there on marionette strings and somebody's just <laughs> controlling him from the booth. He is horrendous. Like the worst quarterback I think I've ever seen. I think I'd rather have Brock Osweiler at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, that would be the one negative out of, okay, like it's a very, very much a positive from a fancy outlook that he's getting these targets and these sketches early on, but that Steelers offense and that Steelers team is so bad.
2: like <laughs> Very bad.
1: That's I, I like that Steelers team somehow beat the bills in week one. That's going to be like a weird one in the season. Like, Hey, like the, you know, five and 12 Steelers, Beat the you know twelve and five bills like that's a weird one, but yeah. So out of this, I think it's a positive for Najee's long term outlook that they're you know they're putting this passing outlook through him, but also not sustainable. They're gonna still use the wide receivers,
2: and uh, I think the ability between the tackles will hopefully improve. And I don't want to pass judgment. It's been three games of rookie play. But Najee has been, I mean, bad. The offense sucks, but Najee's been bad between the tackles. Um, that that should get better, obviously. But this this offense as a whole is just it just really is disjointed. It it's it's overall bad. Ben being still alive for whatever reason is mostly the issue. But they they have the weapons for this offense to just be incredible. And it's being held entirely back by Ben Roethlisberger, so uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm definitely not moving Najee down uh, because of his limited ability. It seems between the tackles, because I do think the future is still pretty bright for Najee Harris. Obviously, the they have him queued up and ready to go as their bell cow back. They said that from day one, and if the targets even come somewhat close to remaining constant like this uh i mean if you look at week two when he had five five catches on five targets for 43 yards that's i mean that's 9.3 ppr points plus he cut a touchdown he doesn't even need to run the ball at that point if he's only catching passes uh i mean he's he's gonna survive just fine so the floor here for naji is all through the air he'll find he'll find his legs no pun intended uh, in the ground game but we uh, we need to continue to see these these targets. Obviously, not 19, but if he can if he can float between like five and eight, that'll be really impressive and will really hold his value up high.
1: Now we'll move on to the story of the first three weeks of the season from a dynasty nice perspective, and it has been that the rookie QBs are hashtag bad. Not just <laughs> one of them. Not just oh, Justin Fields had a rough first start. Not just Zach Wilson had like a four interception game. Every single one of them outside of, I guess, Trey Lance, has been flat out bad.
2: Yeah. um, I mean, this was one of the points before the season we talked about was, I mean, well, you can start with Zach Wilson, who's been arguably the worst. Justin Fields wasn't good, but he only threw like 11 passes or whatever. Zach Wilson's been hideous. Doesn't have the targets that we'd like for a rookie quarterback to have. But, I mean, you still have Corey Davis, uh, which should – should take a little bit of of the work Uh, Braxton Berrios has been a a body Uh, Elijah Moore still exists. Obviously they haven't had Jameson Crowder, but Zach Wilson is probably going to lead this team to a number one or a number two overall pick. And this was the team I had locked in despite how bad Houston was on paper. uh, A lot of wily vets in Houston that want to win. Not so much in New York, it seems. They uh they seem pretty comfortable losing.
1: Yeah, I I think that the most concerning like Lawrence, like he's had some good, had some bad, but in general, seven interceptions, in three games, generally bad. I didn't think we'd see this many mistakes early on from Lawrence. I did expect to see this many mistakes from, from Wilson, but that whole team has just been utter trash. So with with fields. With Fields, I'm most worried about Matt Nagy. I think that how they didn't get him in motion, how they didn't do any rollouts, they were just like, all right, we have Justin Fields. We're going to do seven step drops and let him get crushed by Miles Garrett five and a half times. So I think that from a extreme short-term perspective, I'm the most worried about Fields because of Nagy. And from a long-term perspective, I'm worried about Wilson because – I did think he had the lowest floor coming in and he's showing that floor early on. I'm not saying I'm selling Zach Wilson shares for penny on the dollar, but I am less optimistic than I was three, three weeks ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I'm still a fan of Justin Fields, even though he, he definitely didn't look like what we would hope Justin Fields look like getting sacked nine times probably isn't a good sign of things to come. But like you said, that seemed like Matt Nagy was just dangling him out on his, uh, he put that that carrot on a stick and told the pigs to go eat. Uh, That was ridiculous. And to be honest, you know, in the preseason, training camp, whatever, when all of this talk about Andy Dalton is our starter, Andy Dalton is our starter, this, 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 this. I mean, if that wasn't obvious that Matt Nagy doesn't want anything to do with Justin Fields, try to save his job, means that Matt Nagy had no say in them trading up to go get Justin Fields. That's not good. That's, that's a bad sign. So whether it's the the entire front office, it's just the coaching staff, maybe Justin Fields isn't as good as we thought he once was, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of bad going on in Chicago right now. Uh, As far as Trevor Lawrence goes, one of the better prospects ever, obviously, uh, I'm not overly concerned long-term because we've still seen the really bright signs of true greatness. We've seen a lot of throws, um, some bad, but a lot of throws where it's like, yeah, yep. Yeah, he's going to be just fine. we've seen exactly one of those throws from Zach Wilson. I've seen one throw all year. That was like, that kind of looked a little bit like an NFL quarterback. Everything else has just looked like deer, a deer in headlights. So, um trey lance uh tbd we can't really we can't really pass any sort of judgment there mac jones has kind of had his moments similar to to trevor lawrence i think mac uh was arguably at the highest floor right there with lawrence coming in and he's kind of proven that he he hasn't necessarily been a slouch in any of the games but he's made some rookie mistakes that's going to happen and he's done it with arguably fewer weapons than, than Zach Wilson has. Uh, I mean, he has Nelson Aguilar and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry to throw to Uh, not exactly a plethora of targets available there. So this is, well, I mean, once what once looked like a really fun, promising rookie quarterback class has pretty quickly become we might only have one or two of these guys in a few years. So if I had to put my money on it, I would, oddly enough, and this wouldn't have been my bet a month ago, oddly enough, my, my money would be on, one, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but two, Mac Jones. I, I think those are the two that- Mac picked. Jones? Are, are,
1: the the Mac Jones that had an AYA of 3.04 yesterday? 3.04. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I've seen a lower AYA than that. I mean, I'm sure it's existed,
2: but like that is the, like, what? Like Ladainian. See... Tomlinson <laughs> has a higher AYA than, than Mac Jones did in week three. <laughs> if you want to see AYAs that low, just watch Jalen Hurts every week, and you'll be you'll be impressed. Um, yeah, but like, look at New Orleans. What they did to Aaron Rodgers week one. Um, that's a team that when they focus on something and and actually try they have the ability to to just shut teams down and they're not even healthy uh, or fully healthy. I should say they, they just did that exact same thing to Aaron Rodgers. They do it to a much easier target in Mac Jones. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, What we saw in week one against a a pretty decent defense in Miami, Mac Jones looked pretty darn good. Uh, Was surprisingly underwhelming. Uh, against the jets but that was in new york it was his first road game as an nfl player against a heated rival so i I mean i kind of get it i think it's i I think we're legit at the bottom i i I think we only see him get better from here
1: well since you're talking about the saints and how well they played in week one and week three i will transition before after this ad i will talk about another player who has played the saints this year
3: Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
1: That's right, folks. You guessed it before the ad. I'm talking about Sammy D, and the D is for delicious. Samuel, (laughs) Samuel Darnold. Samuel Darnold has rid himself of the Adam Gase curse. He is a new man. He has DJ Moore. He has... Um, what's the other face? Um, he has Robbie Anderson who has he, been bad. Robbie Anderson who might have been bad. And Terrace he has Marshall's Terrace Marshall good, Jr. He doesn't have Dan Arnold anymore. Breaking news: the Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold, it's over. Um, Dan Arnold is a jaguar, but Sam Darnold has been very good, both fantasy and real life, so far this season um
2: put it potentially very good. He hasn't been uh, very good. Calm down. Daniel,
1: Daniel. AYA of 8.5. Oh, stop 7. it with your 8, AYA. 8.94. He's got three touchdowns, only one interception. He's averaging about 300 yard passing yards a game. What more do you want from the guy? Like he's just putting up numbers. He's got good by receivers. He's got three rushing touchdowns. Konami code, code out your butt. Sam Darnold, he's going to be like a QB1 by the end of the season. Played the Jets
2: week one. And Played the
1: vaunted Saints who can't possibly be stopped.
2: Hold on. If you recall the previous conversation where I said the Saints will stop whoever they want to stop, whoever they scheme to stop, the Saints very clearly attempted to scheme against and only against Christian McCaffrey that game. And that still, you know, it, it was what it was. And Darnold still only threw for just a smidge over 300, two touchdowns. He threw four, zero touchdowns against that really good Houston Texans defense and only one against that stout Jets defense. This is, I would have guessed if any of these, he would have had the interception against New Orleans, obviously with no touchdown throws. He should have had two or three against the Jets. He should have had 17 against the Texans. This is a cupcake start. He still has looked extremely mediocre in my eyes, but he doesn't look bad the way he did with Adam Gase. I will give him that. He looks serviceable. He does not look good.
1: I just flat out disagree. Uh
2: have Tora- you watched him or are you just looking at the box scores? I I, I don't watch football. Exactly. He hasn't he <laughs> he he has looked serviceable. He I like he's making fine throws. He's he's throwing okay timing, but He's not impressive, at, like, even in the least.
1: All right, back to more scheduled football watching. Brandon Ayuk, he's back. He played on the field, um, which he did not do in the first two weeks. Uh, he didn't have a huge game, but he, you know, did enough to show that he's, you know, maybe out of the proverbial doghouse. He didn't get out-snapped by Trent Sherfield, whoever that is. <laughs> so the biggest, like, Venus fantasy news of this was the snap count more so than the yards and, and, and the touchdown. Um, so what are your thoughts on Ayuk being hashtag back?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was, it was a little bit worrisome those, the first two weeks, right? When, I mean, he just really wasn't playing. It sounded like he was in the doghouse, but he was also hurt. So it was like, are we supposed to trust Shanahan in that he's in the doghouse or that he's hurt? We don't really know what this is. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say, he's probably still not a hundred percent. Uh, and wasn't a hundred percent. And maybe the doghouse, quote unquote, was in terms of just not getting himself physically prepared for the season, oh, wow. uh, which I think would be closer to to realistic than him being full on injured. So,, uh, yeah, it was it was promising for for him, obviously, to actually be out there playing. we We prefer that. Uh, still would like to see more than six targets, even though a target from Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is not exactly quality, but we found the end zone. Um, They're still going to continue to use him in the rushing game, even though if it's, you know, whatever, a carry or two each game, I mean, that's probably a free point or two. Uh, Obviously working opposite Debo Samuel as well. One of those guys should almost always be open. And you have George Kittle at tight end, who defenses have pretty much just said, We're going to take Kittle away, make those guys beat us, make Jimmy throw the ball outside the numbers. And um, it's kind of worked a little bit. Kittle has been, I mean, non-existent. I don't even think he's a top 25 tight end at this point in fantasy scoring. Uh, And, and yeah, so this for Ayuk is nice to see him kind of, uh, as you put it, hashtag back. I don't really think this is hashtag back quite yet, but finding the end zone is a good start. Uh, I want to see double digit targets. I want to see six to eight catches and I I want to see those, those yardage numbers getting up into that hundred range before we say he's hashtag back.
1: All right. For our final segment of the evening, I'm just going to read a stat line for you and I'm going to ask a a very simple question. Um, We have four catches for 31, five catches for 73 and two catches for 35. Do you think that is indicative of the greatest prospect to ever live, worth the 101. Uh, you know, you should sacrifice all of your children for him. Do you think that, in the form of Kyle Pitts, is worth the preseason hype three weeks into his NFL career?
2: According to my Twitter tw- uh, timeline, yes. Twitter because, timeline. <laughs> because tight ends are OP when they get targets. Uh, and you're, you're, you know, at this point, we're chasing five and a half points. From our overpriced tight end one in in dynasty, so uh, I yeah I mean again it's it's a rookie he's made a couple of plays where it was like that's why we hyped up Kyle Pitts. Matt Ryan is a dead body, uh, much like Ben Roethlisberger, much like Drew Brees at the end of his career. We talked, I, I tweeted about this. This was part of my my uh, dynasty recap thread. Atlanta is. All the way, like, if you want to hold Pitts, I'm not going to say a word about it because this is still one of the potential greatest prospects of all time, especially when you consider positional scarcity. But you have Kyle Pitts, who is being drafted in the second round, which is absurd, but, I mean, Travis Kelsey has lived there for the last few years, so I get it. And Calvin Ridley, who's also going in those same amount of picks, and a quarterback that has no arm, his someone removed his eyes apparently, cut off one of his legs. Like it, you are going to be struggling more than likely for the next two years for any sort of production, and you could move uh, just purely value. Like I get that we all want Kyle Pitts, right? He's potentially generational. That's not the point. The point is you have absolutely free value staring you in the face you can go get whatever the hell else you want and then in 2 years after Matt Ryan retires and Kyle Pitts is now being drafted in the 5th round you can go buy him for 5th round prices sold at top 15 20 prices buy later that's that's all i i have to say really in regards to Pitts because it's still 3 games as a tight end i just there's no way you can sink that much value in a roster at the tight end position. I get positional scarcity. I understand the whole thing. It's not worth it. Tight ends suck. Trade him for a pile of wide receivers and continue to build your dynasty the right way through the wide receivers.
1: Here's the, here's the, I know that I know your answer. How many, let's say you send this offer 10 times. How many times is it clicked? accept? you send an offer of, Your pits for someone's chase. How many times out of 10 is that getting accepted today?
2: Uh, After this week, zero times. Before this week, every time. I'm not 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 being hyperbolic. Chase's game this week was that was that. we You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about Chase. Oh, it was a breakout game. Whatever. This week was Jamar Chase's breakout game. Absolutely, 100%. This is the difference maker, and why Chase will now move up and continue to rise in those dynasty rankings. Kind of the same way that like C.D. Lamb started to do it last year. So a week ago, I, I would have said zero people would have traded for for Jamar Chase in that situation. This week, I think everybody, maybe maybe one out of ten keeps Pitts there and doesn't take Chase.
1: Yeah, looking at his stat line so far: five, one hundred one, two fifty four one, and four sixty five two, for Jamar Chase. I, I I was taking Jamar Chase the season. I, I'm taking him now. I I've talked about all offseason about the the tier of Metcalf, AJ Brown, Lamb, and Jefferson, and I think Chase is firmly in that tier now. Might be an overreaction, but he's got Joe Burrow. He was an elite prospect. He got picked. Uh, you know fifth overall, sixth overall, fifth overall. Yeah. Fifth overall. So yeah, in that grouping of elite young wide receivers, Jamar Chase is, and honestly, I think that him and Jefferson have, have the highest ceiling now of the, of that, of that top five.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, my, you know how I feel about Justin Jefferson and I was always on board with chase over Pitts too. My, my statement always was, I'm not going to call you out for taking Pitts 101. He's absolutely worthy of it. It's one of those things where it's just impossible to pass on. Um, I just found significantly higher ceiling in Jamar Chase. And I build roster, Nathan, we build rosters very, very similarly as as far as usually, in most cases, building through wide receiver, get that high upside, uh, you know, potential stud wide receivers, build a core of those and work off of that. Um, that's, yeah. uh, And that's pretty much what we have in Jamar Chase. Obviously, um, I I think the big thing for Cincinnati, if we want to look at it a broader spectrum is you probably should go by Joe Burrow because once T Higgins is healthy, you still have Tyler Boyd. Obviously, Jamar Chase has been great. Joe Mixon has been better. Uh, but Joe Burrow hasn't really seen a boost in price and he's weapons galore. Now He, he has arguably the best weapons in the league. Uh, you know, you, you saw Boyd this week do his thing. We we all knew what he could do. He's he's not the exciting option in Cincinnati, but he's going to score points at least for the, through this year. And, you know, once T. Higgins is healthy, you, you have realistically two potential wide receiver ones in an offense. There's, there's precedent for it. Is it super, super possible? Maybe not, but we've seen it. You know, Justin Jefferson, Adam Phelan, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin probably you can argue that chase and Higgins is a better combination than either of those. Uh, this potentially could go down in the books as one of the best wide receiver duos in history, uh, up there, you know, with, with Moss and Chris Carter, that that's the potential we have here. Cause Jamar chase really has, he's got that upside. It, it could get crazy here.
1: All righty. That should wrap us up for this evening. Um, also, All of that conversation, we were not saying sell Kyle Pitts. Do not sell Kyle Pitts. Not at all. Unless you can get Jamar Chase in exchange.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Um, if you can sell for top 15 or 20, like, absolutely. I'm still making that trade all day, every day. But I'm not going to fault you for holding it because, again, it's Kyle Pitts.
1: Yep, that should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Good luck in week four. Week four.